Parsons, you're listening to No Names All Game. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is March 6th. My name is Chris Hankin, joined as always by my co-host Pat Calicchio. And it is March. It's not football season. But we've got a lot going on in the Penn State world. We've got the NFL Combine. We have a defensive line coach vacancy. We have winter workouts. We have new updated weights for some guys. That's what you talk about in the offseason. But in the rest of the Penn State world, it's a pretty wild weekend. Uh, the basketball team doing some crazy things. Penn State wrestling. We have your wrestling expert, Pat Patty Pins. What did we call you? Pat talking Matt. Remember that? I, I like I like all this. Pat, Patty Pins. Pat Patty talking Pins Matt. Is pretty good. Pat talking Matt. Pat will give you all the updates. Big Ten tournament just happened. NCAA's are on deck. Uh, and then we have Penn State wrestling legend Bo Nickel makes his UFC debut in dominant fashion so we will get to all of that shortly but it's good to be back it's been about uh been about a month since we've recorded talked about how we want to do a little bit more this off season we're trying to stay on top of it we are sticking to that commitment pat how you doing man i'm feeling good uh you know i'm a little i was taken aback by the uh john scott news i i don't know if i'm just out of the loop or if that came out of nowhere but i was definitely surprised uh this kind of late in the game for that to happen um, but I had a lot of fun watching Big Tens, uh, watching Bo Nickel. Got I didn't get to watch the basketball game because I was traveling, but keeping up with that was thrilling. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm having a pretty pretty good start to the week. Hell, and we were we were just talking before we started, and you weren't just traveling; you went to see the boss. I did. I traveled to Denver to see Bruce Springsteen, uh, a man who I saw twice in State College, uh, wow. and. Yes. And uh, when I got on the pre-sale for the tickets, you know, they, they tell you to pick three different venues. And even though right. it's nowhere near me, one of the ones I picked was the Bryce <laughs> Jordan Center. <laughs> was it just the like the closest to you or, or not closest I, to you? I picked oh, wait, the two closest. No, back when I got the tickets, uh, like months okay. ago, I signed up okay, for the pre-sale. Wait, wait, sorry. Uh, sorry to the listeners. I need to clarify this. Bryce Jordan Center, you picked this year in the year 2023 or this is when you were in school? In 2023. Because like <laughs> when you sign up for the pre-sale, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. pick pick three venues that you'd want to go to. And I was sure. like, I'll go Denver. I forget the other one I picked, but it was like somewhere like West-ish. And I was like, Bryce Jordan. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you can make a if you can make a Penn State Penn State trip out of it, why not? That's, exactly. that's pretty cool. Um, I am going to see him at MetLife uh, in Jersey this summer with my family. Very, very excited for that. Um, man, I haven't seen a concert at the Bryce Jordan Center probably since I was a student, rightfully so. Um, but there were some good ones back in the day. Uh, I feel like they always get some some good shows. But it's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Penn State sports. Um, let's start, you know what? Let's start with the the defensive line uh, vacancy. We'll get to the combine and, and winter workouts in a minute, but I think this is probably the hottest topic right now. Uh, I'm with you. I, I did not see this one coming. Uh, agreed. We're kind of underway in this like calendar year. Um, but John Scott Jr. heading to the NFL, um, I believe it was the Lions, I want to say. Is that right? Yes. It's going yeah, to heading to the Lions. Um, you know, good for him. I, I'm excited. Uh, you know, anytime you see guys kind of rising in the ranks, taking other opportunities, good for them. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say good for the program. I was about to say, like, good for the program, like, shows our guys are, you know, moving on. But, you know, the NFL is always one of those things that, like, I think is, is a calling for a lot of guys. And when opportunities come up, you can't knock them for taking it. So uh, good luck to him. I think, you know, we saw some good things in the in the couple of years that he was here. But now 
there's a big vacancy. Um, you know, we, we've talked many times about how D-line has been kind of a, a real position of value for us over the years. We've seen a ton of really good D-linemen. Um, we were spoiled with Coach Chaos for a while as, as a really good defensive line coach. I, I mean, you go back to the years of Larry Johnson. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of good D-line stuff in Penn State. Um, but now Franklin has a hire to make. And, you know, we just brought in a new wide receivers coach. Uh, last year we saw Manny Diaz come in. So th there's always going to be that churn. Um, but it always brings a little bit of uncertainty, right? You want the home run hire. You want the best guy. You want you know, you want that consistency. You, you don't want anything to slip. Where's your thoughts right now on, on what should happen or what you think will happen or, or anything around that? Yeah, I mean, you got to imagine this hire has to be made soon. Uh, you know, probably want this done before spring practices. And, you know, this is a – I don't know that there's ever an unimportant time for recruiting, but, you know, this is a time where you're building relationships with these guys, trying to get them to make their official visits. That's an yeah. important time, man. Uh, you got, you know, for the most part, you get no chance to recruit recruit if they don't take an official visit. Um, so it's going to be important to get whoever the guy is, uh, get him in the room soon. And he's got to hit the ground running, especially with, uh, you know, the need that this team has at defensive tackle right now. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Um, so I think there's a couple of names being thrown thrown around. Um, I've been pretty vocal on Twitter. I would like it to be Dion Barnes. Uh, I'll make my my pitch for him in a minute here. Uh, I think he's the right guy. I think it's the right time. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of good things around that story that make it a good hire, a fun hire, but also I think the right hire. Um, but there are some other names. So uh, earlier this week or, or last week, it was reported that. Uh, Justin Hines or Hins, H-I-N-D-S, uh, the defensive line coach from the Chicago Bears in the NFL, was the target. Uh, it seemed to be like it was moving in that direction, um, but just recently uh, it was reported that he's going to stay put in the NFL with the Bears. Um, so that's out. And also, uh, why wouldn't he? Yeah, he's make a I lateral mean, move to college. I yeah, I, I mean maybe some guys just you know maybe the NFL's not right for him. Maybe he wants the college. I I don't know. Um, listen, it works for Saban, right? When the NFL came right back. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> how it went. <laughs> it's exactly how it went. Um, no, I'm, I'm not making that comparison genuinely. That was a joke. Um, but there are a couple guys that I, I think that are big names. Uh, the biggest one that I've seen is Elijah Robinson from Texas A&M. Uh, if you remember, last year he was a guy that everybody wanted as the defensive coordinator uh, before we brought in Manny Diaz. Um, what are your thoughts on Elijah Robinson? Um, yeah, I remember hearing this name with, before Manny. Um, again, like it, I think it would be pretty much a home run hire. Uh, the guy obviously recruits like a monster. And having ties to the South where a lot of those big defensive tackles come from could be big. Uh, but again, I just, I just don't see him taking a lateral move, the same position at a different school. Yeah, yeah that, that's where I'm at with it. Um, would I be happy if he was hired of course um he's had really good success uh he has penn state ties um but my thing is like if you were ready to make him the defensive coordinator and you mean the fan base obviously you know we, we don't know what's going on in, in in the building but if the fan base was ready to make him the defensive coordinator thought he deserved that and and could be that why would he take the defensive line job right like and and listen that happens right manny came and took a defensive coordinator job after being a head coach like guys do take you know, lateral moves and steps down, but um, I just, I just don't think it's going to be enough appeal to him. 
And also what I've read is that they pay him a shit ton of money. Um, it would take like seven figures. It would take a million or more a year uh, to bring him in. Penn State doesn't really disclose what we pay our assistants, but um, I don't think we're quite there. Yeah, um, we're definitely not paying him that much. Yeah, so it would be fun. It would be exciting. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, another name thrown around just kind of for funsies, I think, is Sean Spencer. Uh, bring Coach Chaos home. He's at Florida. He's the defensive line slash co-defensive coordinator down there. Um, also, what I've read, gets paid a lot of money. SEC hits different. Um, thoughts on, on Sean Spencer coming home? I mean, that, that would be awesome. But again, <laughs> I just don't see it. Like, yeah, he's at a big-time program. He's getting paid a lot of money. And he just got there. Yeah, you know yeah. he has this not been there for a long time. Year, third year, maybe he was with the Giants. Yeah. He left Penn State. He went to the Giants, New York Giants, in the NFL, uh, and then went to Florida. I think this is. I think he's coming into his third year. I think he's had two there. I could be wrong, um, but I agree. I just I I don't know. Like it would be fun. I love I love Coach Chaos. He's one of my favorite coaches we've ever had. Um, I just I don't see like why he would do it. Yeah, it just probably wouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, and then there's a bunch of other names. Everyone puts out their, you know, big lists of names to watch, targets. I saw uh, the defensive line coach from Pitt, um, blanking on his name, um, but that was an interesting candidate. He's had some some success with NFL yes, guys, getting guys to the NFL. Um, in a program like Pitt where you're not getting the top recruits, that would be exciting to me. Um, yeah. I don't know what it would take to pull him from Pitt, um, but that would be fun. Yeah, uh, plus a little salt a, in the wound right there. Yeah, of course, of course, right? Like, you know, anytime you get a chance. I, I don't love, like, shitting on Pitt or the shit on Pitt because, like, I don't like to even give them that, like, moral victory of, like, oh, I'm I'm in your head and you're thinking about me. Nope, I'm not thinking about you at all. Also, like, um, by the time we were there, it was not – it hasn't been, like, a real rivalry in a long time. Yeah. We rarely play each other. Yeah, we had those couple of years. What was it, 20 – I don't know, 13, 14? Um, yeah where we played him, but it was like, whatever, either way, my point being, he's a name on the list. Um, and then you get these longer lists of like anyone who's ever had a tie to James Franklin, anyone who's ever had a tie to Penn State, they're all on the list. Um, but my vote is Deion Barnes. I, I, I think he is the right guy for this job at this time um, for a, a litany of reasons. Like he's young, he's a rising star. The players speak so highly of him. Um, PJ Mustafer at the combine was asked about it. He said, I want James Franklin to hire him. That's about as good of an endorsement as you can get. It's not, oh, I think he'd do a great job. Or yeah, I could see him doing that. It's, I want James Franklin to hire him. Um, he talked about how much he helped him in the defensive line. Terry Smith has talked very highly on him. Uh, there's an interview with Terry uh, that's been quoted in a lot of articles where he says like, you know, we talked last episode about how well Dion helped recruiting with the D-line and working with the guys and how much they, you know, were able to kind of relate to him being a younger guy. And he actually says in that interview, like, he's going to get a defensive line coach somewhere. Uh, I hope he gets a great job somewhere. And then he goes on to say, like, you know, I hope we can keep up Penn State, but like, he will get a job. So my thing is this. He was a grad assistant for, I think it was three years because he got the extra COVID year or whatever. We were able to keep him on this year as an analyst. If you don't promote him, he's probably going to leave next year for some defensive line job. Maybe it's at a lower school. It'll be probably power five. Maybe it's a lower school. But he is, in my opinion, that highly regarded that he'll get a job somewhere else. That's not the reason you promote him. You don't promote a guy just to be like, oh, I don't want to lose him. But if you think he's the right guy or if you think he can be 
a good defensive line coach or a great defensive line coach, then I think this is the right time to do it. Um, and of course, we, we don't know that, right? Only Franklin and, and Manny Diaz and the defensive staff know that. But everything we've heard about him tells us that he has a real bond with the players on the team, that he's well-respected, that people have seen improvement working with him. I just think you get a young superstar now that you can lock down that position for the next, I don't know, four or five years. I mean, that's consistency to recruiting, to development, to sending guys to the NFL. Like, it just makes so much sense to me. What do you think? Yeah, you know, when the name first got floated around, I was kind of like, yeah, it's not going to happen just because he's so young. But then, you know, the more I thought about it, and honestly, the more I heard the players talking about it, they, you know, they want him hired. You're right. Um, and, you know, this is a guy who he's got moves. Like, he's got stuff to teach. Um, and a lot of players on that defensive line credit him with, you know, with a lot of their development. So he, yeah. I think it's pretty clear that he can coach, um, you know, whether he, he can teach, you know, whether, you know, he can coach at that in that position remains to be seen. Um, I'd be happy to see it. And, you know, he's got, he's a guy who's got deep ties to Philly. Um, that's big in recruiting. That's an area Penn State needs to be strong in. And he's apparently been the guy who's taken the lead on the defensive line recruiting since John Scott has left. So keep yeah. that momentum going with some consistency there. Um, I think would also show those players that like Dion's probably here for the long haul. Like if you sign, right. Dion just got hired. He's young. He is not going to be looking for a defensive coordinator. You know, not going to be like sought after for a defensive coordinator job anytime too soon, most likely. So if you're signing with Penn state, you're likely getting him for your entire playing career at Penn state. Yeah. I, I didn't even think of that. That's a, I mean, that's a huge selling point. Cause that's like with some of these other guys with, you know, Elijah Robinson or Sean Spencer, like obviously they're looking at the next step in their career. Like we just brought Manny Diaz in. Maybe he's looking to be a head coach again and maybe he leaves in a couple of years. So like, you know, maybe <clears throat> someone, maybe someone says like, Oh, I can come in be the D line coach and then take over when Manny leaves. Maybe. But I think a lot of those guys probably don't want to come into a situation that's like established like we are, whereas Dion just makes a ton of sense from so many different angles. Um, like I said, we don't know, right? We, we don't know what he's actually viewed on in, in the room and in the building. Like, yes, they've all said really great things, um, but I just think it makes a lot of sense. I think it would do wonders for recruiting. He, he I mean, he, he was the one tweeting out the winter workouts the other day, uh, which like Obviously, I'm not going to read too far into like you know somebody had to do it, um, but I just think it makes a lot of sense. So Dion, I'm yeah. here for you, brother. He seems to be the interim D line coach right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I would imagine we get uh, an answer probably sometime this week, maybe next. Um, Franklin, I, I think typically has a pretty good turnaround on this, right? We we've always said he has that list that he claims of like all the coaches across the country that he's keeping his eye on. So I'm sure he knows the few targets that he wants to go after. And, and I do like for, for the other side of the argument, I do get the desire to have like a guy, a veteran guy, a guy who's run a D line room, a guy who has experience handling, you know, admin isn't the right word, but like the, the non-football things, right. There, there comes, there comes more with being a coach than just can you coach the position, right? It, it's you're a leader of the room. You're an owner of that part of the defense. So I get it. You know, taking that step from grad assistant to D-line coach, I don't know how big that is. You know, I, I don't know, like, what that, like, uh, linear progression looks like. Like, 
you know, we, we don't really have like assistant position coaches in college football. It doesn't really work that way. So it's like, eventually you got to get a chance. Someone has to get, give you a chance. But I think maybe, maybe the hesitation from some fans is like at a program like Penn state, you can attract a top talent who's in the position already. So why not grab someone? My counter would just be, you've got a superstar in the building potentially, and you have a chance to kind of get them from the ground up. So we'll see. But that is uh, the update on the D-line coach. Uh, up next, you want to go NFL Combine or Winter Workouts? What are you feeling? Um, let's go Winter Workouts because I feel like that's going to be shorter. Yeah, I feel like fair. Combine's the, the juicier topic. Absolutely. So Winter Workouts, um, not a lot to discuss. <laughs> Probably the biggest thing of these Winter Workouts was a, a particular Drew Aller boot gate. <laughs> if you will uh mm -hmm. another another penn state podcast tweeted out that he was seen in a boot uh the penn state twitter world went crazy whether or not he was in a boot whether or not he's slightly banged up i personally don't care i just think it was hilarious how crazy we all went from a single tweet um but we've seen him in videos we've seen him in pictures in the weight room we've seen videos of him throwing now he appears to be fine um, but one thing I noticed and one thing I thought was kind of interesting in these like winter, you know, workout warrior of the day, um, I don't think he won any of them. I think Bo won most of them. And I think he might have won, won one. one. He might have won one. Um, but it was Bo. Bo won several. And then even Jackson Smolik won one. Um, and I don't put stock into that. Right. Like, it, you know, I think I think the coaches probably use that as a motivation tool. Right. So, you know, give some give some guys some praise that maybe don't see it all the time. Um, you see it in other position groups too, like in the tight end room. I don't, I don't think I saw Theo Johnson um, in, in some of the other rooms. I, I don't think I saw some of the more senior guys. So, like, I think that's fine. Um, <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm curious. Like, what do you think of of that of winter workouts when you see like this person's the workout warrior of the day, and like maybe it's not the people you thought. Like, do you care about that at all? No, I mean it's it's one of those things. It's cool to see it for the guys who win, but this is not how they're choosing. Right. Who's getting positions. Um, and, you know, like, the yeah, sometimes the guy who's hungry is going to have the hardest workout. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, like, and you do see, like, Nick Singleton was on there several times. Like, you do see some of the big name guys. Like, it's not all young and up-and-comers. But I thought that was pretty funny that, like, people people started making that thing. Well, we haven't seen Drew win a workout warrior. So, it's like, dude, just stop. Please it stop. doesn't matter. <laughs> um. That being said, uh, really the only thing to take away from winter workouts is, like I said, the updated um, weight changes, um, which is kind of hilarious to me that we're like sitting here looking at college kids and being like, wow, he gained some weight. Sick. Which uh, is like a weird concept to me. Um, but I, I did want to go through some of them because, you know, they are important. Uh, and this is uh, a tweet from PSU Dylan. Uh, shout out PSU Dylan. Great account. Um, has a really big Instagram account, like 40,000 followers or something. Um, but interacts with us on Twitter a good bit. Really like what they do. Um, posted up like some of the most notable changes. So uh, I'm going to run through a couple of them. You give me your your thoughts. Uh, first, let's start with some defensive changes. Probably maybe the most notable. Linebacker Abdul Carter from 233 to 249. Yeah, that's uh, listen, you got to remember that kid was a true freshman last year. This is not a redshirt freshman who had an entire year in a college strength and conditioning and diet program. This yeah. is his first offseason in that program. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he's going to put on some weight. He's big, dude. And uh, 
he's I don't know he's got a big frame he doesn't doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who can't handle that kind of weight increase right you you see him moving the same way with that kind of weight he's a scary man out there uh, that's what I was just gonna say if you were if you were frightened by a two hundred and thirty three pound Abdul Carter running at you full steam ahead imagine a two hundred and forty nine pound freight train coming into the backfield love that uh, also on the defensive side Chop Robinson this one was kind of surprising to me. 239 up to 253. Pretty big increase for a, for a D-end. Yeah, but that is, a, again, that's good size for D-end. Um, that, that one is a little more surprising because he's been in a college program before. Um, yeah. I guess, you know, this might be his first, like, full offseason with Penn State, depending on when he got in. Uh, so, you know, that can sure. make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, 14 pounds, like, I think, you know, again, it, I, I obviously I think our our training staff and our, our weight strength and conditioning team is one of the best in the country. Obviously, they know what they're doing. Um, but I think that's one I, I I'm going to be interested to see. Like, does he have any sort of you know differences in his styles? Right? Like, do do his move does his move set change? Does he have more power versus speed rushes? You know, things like that. Um, and the last one on the defensive side or two uh, some of some of the uh, early enrollees. Tony Rojas, linebacker, who was my pick for instant impact. The biggest thing that you said was not big enough. One ninety-five to two fourteen. That is quick. That's quick. That's a lot. Nineteen pounds, twenty pounds in in a couple of months. Uh, and Elliot Washington, uh, one ninety to two hundred one. So eleven pounds. Uh, the defensive back. So love to see some of the young guys come in and, and you know immerse themselves in this right away um and another thing too like i you know obviously this isn't going to be their final playing weight right like some of that will probably trim down over the spring and summer as they get a little bit more in playing shape but like love to see that um on the offensive side a lot of a lot of notable ones uh both running backs put on weight singleton 219 to 228 katron allen 201 to 218 that man's back <laughs> and I was reading, I was reading, you know, replies to this tweet and, and someone said it best, like, didn't he come in around 220 and drop to 200? Like, why put it back? Again, I trust our staff. I imagine that's them, you know, taking off some of the fat and building up good muscle, right? Like, so, you know, if he, if he came in, if he was used to running at 220 and we slimmed him down and he had an incredible season as is, now we built some of that muscle back up and he's even more of a bruiser. Sign me up. Yeah, and um, yeah, he'll he'll lose a little bit more weight before the season starts. Of like course, you said. of course. Uh, and then Nick Singleton, I love to see that too. You know, only nine pounds, two nineteen to two twenty eight. But like, we know he's got the wheels. We know he's got the speed. But I mean, you remember what Saquon did? You know, he 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 built over his years, right? You know, those mm-hmm. quads didn't come out of nowhere, right? He put on weight and became a more physical and physical runner over the years. Love to see that. Um, couple of offensive linemen, Olu, 308 to 323. Caden Wallace, 301 to 328. Javen Williams, another early enrollee, our five star in this class, 290 to 313. Um, JB Nelson, this is 300 to 330. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> 30 pounds seems like a lot. Uh, and then the last one is wide receiver Keandre Lambert Smith, 176 to 184. He's a smaller guy. You know, it's probably difficult for him to to add a bunch, but I think you know when you're a smaller wide receiver in college, you have to work to put on more to be ready for the NFL. We we've talked about this being kind of a you know 
don't know, breakout's the right word, but like defining season for him. I would love to see him being a little bit more physical. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's Weight Watchers with with no hands all game. Um, any other thoughts? Winter workouts uh, as we headed to spring ball. Anything catching your eye? No, I mean this is a, you know, this is the point in the season where everyone just you overanalyze everything, like you said. With we're sitting here looking at how much college kids weigh right now, <laughs> and it's not even going to be what they weigh in September. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous, but you know what? It gets us through. It gets us through. Yeah. All right, let's finish need the something. football talk. Let's finish the football talk with the NFL Combine. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this before. Are you a Combine guy? Do you like watching it? Do you think it's annoying? Do you hate it? Where do you stand? No, it's just too repetitive for me. And, uh, yeah. and, and I used to watch it all the time. And then somewhere along the line of like a couple of years, I was just like, I, my eyes cannot tell the difference between a guy who runs a four or five and a guy who runs a five flat. It's just me watching guys running and looking at a clock. <laughs> yeah, I think this was, I think this year was that year for me. Um, I've been a combine guy for a while. Uh, I love the NFL draft. It's like one of my favorite things in the world. Um, Bill Burr has an amazing bit on it. If you guys are into comedy, have you ever heard that one? He's talking Probably. about people. Yeah, he's talking about how ridiculous it is that people sit there and watch the NFL draft. He goes, you don't know these guys. You don't know any of them. He's like, it'd be like you showing up to a high school graduation and watching people go across the stage, but you don't know any of them. And you're just like, yeah, fucking hilarious. Um, I probably just butchered a Bill Burr joke, but you get the point. Um, so I've always liked the combine because I'm like, oh, I can get to see everyone. I can get to see guys maybe I wasn't as familiar with, and I can get to kind of learn about them before the draft. Um, and maybe not having one, uh, what was it, two years ago uh, with the pandemic, um, kind of like put that break in my brain. Because like the last year or two, I've just been like, I'm not that interested anymore. Like, you're right. It's just dudes running. Like some of the drills are fun. And some of the, you know, some of the highlights are cool. But I can see that on Twitter, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. And I can just ESPN's look up the results on the numbers. Yeah, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, but this year we did have like, seven guys total uh, representing. Um, really good showing from Penn State, but I feel like for the first year in a while, no real major takeaways for me. Um, all of our guys were were good. You know, there weren't any amazing, crazy, great performances. Um, also, no like terrible performances that I think hurt anyone. But I think we've gotten like accustomed to, and maybe a little bit spoiled over the last however many years of like some really insane athletes coming out of Penn State that we've been like excited, like. Oh, how fast is this guy going to run? Or how high is he going to jump? Or how many reps is he going to do? And they're like, I didn't really feel that this year. Um, yeah, this, which this is not, was not again, the not freak a, athletes class for Penn yeah, State. Yeah, not a knock on any of these guys, but it just it didn't have that same like glow to it. Um, so I have a couple of notes. Um, I'll run through them here, maybe, and then you can give give some of your thoughts. Um, Joey Porter Jr., obviously, you know, our, our crown jewel of this class, expected to be a first-rounder, expected to be a high first-rounder. Um, he ran well. He, he talked about how he wanted to run. Uh, he wanted to show people that he is fast. Uh, listed on the NFL website, the combine results, is a 4-4-6, um, which is pretty good. Um, I think we've gotten desensitized a lot over the last couple of years of all these guys running 4-2s and 4-3s. Like, 4-4-6 is still pretty damn fast. Uh, when he ran it on the broadcast, it was listed as like a four five something. And I was like, eh, that's a little disappointing. Um, you shave off a tenth of a second, and I'm like, wow, great. Also a ridiculous concept. Um, 
but I think the big thing people people wanted to see about him long arms, thirty four inches. I don't measure people's arms that often, but apparently it is the longer fifth than mine. longest, fifth longest by a corner since two thousand three. Um, people like that. Um, and again, I don't think I don't think I don't think this performance changed his stock one way or the other. Uh, I think there's three corners at the top of this draft that everyone's talking about. Uh, it's Devin Witherspoon from Illinois, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, and Joey Porter Jr. I think all three of them will go within the top 15 to 18 picks, and it just depends on teams who kind of fall in love with them, who fit their scheme, who are looking for certain traits on, on where they go. It, it wouldn't shock me if he's the first one off the board in the top 10. wouldn't shock me if he's the third off the board, you know, around 15. And and then that that changed, you know, a month ago. I, th- I thought he was sure fire the first one off. The more I read about these guys, the more I see. It, it's, he's still going to be a first rounder. Yeah, I mean, I actually I thought this um, result really could have helped him. Uh, if there was one knock on Joey, other than maybe being a little grabby, it's that he wasn't considered a fast cornerback. Um, sure. I thought anywhere in the low four or fives was a win for him. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know that to me that was the worry that was that he was going to be in the mid to high four or fives. So to yeah. be in the four fours is actually a pretty big deal. And you know, I'm not saying it's an automatic surefire. This makes him, this moves him up on, on the boards. This gets him to the first corner off the, off the list. But most importantly, it doesn't solidify him as the third. Um, it doesn't drop his stock at all. And I, I, th- I think this this does increase the chances of him being a top ten pick. Yeah, agreed. And I think one thing I've noticed this year that I haven't seen in a lot of last years is they're starting to really hone in on the ten yard split of the forty like your first 10 yards, uh, and he was at 1.5 seconds. The fastest corner was 1.47. But he's in that top tier of, like, breakaways or uh, initial burst, rather. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're looking at a guy, and he, he is noted as, like, a press man cover who's going to be up and physical with a guy, if you're looking for someone who can, you know, be that physical and then burn with someone right away, um, I, I think he's going to do really well. So shout-out, Joe. He was really cool. His dad was there in the stands. They were interviewing him, like, while he was on the field. Very cool moment. Um, couple other things. I thought Brenton Strange did really well. Um, you know, we've talked about him as a guy. We could see him going like third, fourth round. Most projections don't have him till the fifth or sixth. Um, but I thought he tested well. I uh, ran a 4740, which isn't insane. Uh, but again, that 10-yard split, 1.57, which is tied for first amongst all tight ends. So if that's what they're looking for, great. Uh, 23 reps on the bench press, tied for first amongst all tight ends. Love to see it. Um, I think he had a pretty good vertical. Hang on, I'll pull it up now. 36 inches on the vertical, uh, 10-4 on the broad jump. Higher than mine. Yeah, much higher than mine. Uh, some good numbers in, in the three-cone and the 20-yard shuttle, the agility. Um, I, I just think, like, he, I think he did well. And, like, for, for teams that maybe weren't aware of him or didn't know about him, again, I don't think this bursts his stock, like, through the roof, but I think he did pretty damn good. Yeah, um, you know, four seven, good, not great. Uh, but the rest of that, yeah, you're very happy. The 10 yard split's tremendous. Uh, 23 reps from the bench press, very good for yeah. sure. And you know, NFL teams, they want a tight end that can be out there for the passing game and the running game. Like you've seen that with Mike Gasicki, who's you know a great, great receiver, but he gets a limited amount of snaps and action because he's not a reliable blocker in the run game. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. I've seen, I, I posted a tweet right before we're recording this. Um, so if you're listening to this, look at Monday night's tweets. Uh, there's a clip of Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia, pushing the sled. And he is a freak. Darnell Washington, he's like 6'7", 270 or something. He has 11-inch hands, which is massive. Um, and he's pushing the sled and just making it look pretty easy to begin with. But you don't realize like kind of how cool it is. And then the one clip that's going viral, it's him. And then they show two other guys with like really bad reps, like can barely move the sled. And Darnell's just kind of like waddling it. You're like, wow, that's impressive. And it got me thinking. I was like, oh, like I wonder how Brenton did. So I went to the Penn State football Twitter account. They posted. I was like, well. He did almost like almost the same, like didn't make it look as effortless. Didn't, you know, not as powerful as, you know, not as huge as Darnell Washington, but looked pretty damn good. And then I started looking up the stats. Brantons are much better. Now, granted, Darnell Washington is sharing a tight end room with Brock Bowers, who will be a first rounder next year. Um, I think he battled some injuries his first year. But like Darnell Washington has like three touchdowns in his career over three years. Brenton has 10. Um I'm not saying Brenton should be a first rounder, but you got Darnell Washington, who's like being talked at as a late first rounder, but Brenton's like a fifth round guy. I just, I don't get it. So it'll be interesting to see if he kind of climbs up a little bit because of a pretty good performance. Um, obviously, as you interview with teams, things happen. I, I'm excited to see where Brenton lands. Yeah, I, I think you could see him in those like third to fourth rounds. Yeah. That's I'm not I saying think. he will be, but he could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the rest of the guys, like I said, not a lot of takeaways. Jair, uh, Jair Brown didn't test amazing, um, but his on-the-field, like, ball drills looked really good. Um, and I think that's, you know, what a lot of people like about him. Um, you know, you look at the stats, you know, I think they said he's, like, the only player in the country, maybe, to have, like, four sacks and four interceptions this year or something like that. Um, I don't think this hurt him. He ran a little slow. He didn't put up any crazy numbers. But, again, I think... I think he's a second round guy. I, I would be shocked if he goes later than that, to be honest, but we'll see. Uh, and then Juice, sort of the same. Juice Scruggs performed pretty well. Um, not earth shattering numbers. And, and again, for offensive linemen, like you're not going to see any like, crazy 40s or agility or anything like that. But his on field, like drill, the old lineman drill, he looked really good. Um, in a class that's not like super deep with centers, there's a couple at the top. Um, uh, I think kid from, I want to say Minnesota, maybe, or Wisconsin. I don't know. There's like two or three up the top that people are kind of looking at. And then after that, there's not a ton of names. So I think he could work his way into like mid rounds as well. Um, I don't know. That's really all I got from the combine. Anything else uh, that you have thoughts on or, or want to talk about? Yeah. Uh, Jair's 40 time was for sure a little disappointing. I think it was like the four sixes, right? Yeah. He's uh, four, six, five. Yeah. And, you know, for a safety, you definitely want faster than that. Um, you're going to – I'll put it this way. If he runs a good time at pro day, it should be enough for that to not really hurt him. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, and, and people are starting to talk, too, about how the 40 times are kind of suspect. Uh, there's a bunch of videos going around of, like, the clock, like, starting before the guy takes off or uh, stopping after they get through the line, like, I'm sure the NFL won't actually address it because it would just be a fucking clusterfuck. Of well, I mean, they, they, but they do also change guys' times because of stuff like that. So sure, that, but they're, they're, that is one of those like Twitter of... internet things where you see that yeah. and then they don't post the fact that like, yeah, his time was adjusted afterwards. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So 
we'll see. Um, but one thing I think is cool on the NFL website, they they give them all like a grade. Uh, and there's a range from like, we'll be a backup, we'll be a starter, we'll be an instant impact, all that kind of stuff. Um, who knows what they actually are. And then for some of the higher guys, they give like a, an NFL comparison. Uh, so just to run through these real quick and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, Joey Porter Jr., NFL comparison, Amani Oruarie. But that was kind of interesting. Um, his like prospect grade, uh, the numbers don't matter, but uh, the the text is will become a good starter within two years. I like that. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell Tinsley, a little bit lower. They have candidate for bottom of roster or practice squad. Again, a guy didn't really test all that well. We'll see. Uh, Jair Brown will eventually be a plus starter. So they believe, despite testing, that he'll be a better than average starter. Love to see that. Uh, Brenton Strange will eventually be average starter. Starter's pretty good. And again, yeah. this is just the NFL, NFL's, you know, uh, predictions. Don't take this for anything. Uh, Drew Scruggs, traits or traits or talents to be above average backup. I think he's a little higher, but that's fine. And PJ Mustafer, yeah, PJ Mustafer, candidate for bottom of roster or practice squad. Again, I think high, but just interesting to see kind of like despite any of the numbers, they still make like their judgment and some are spot on, some are very different. So we'll see. But like I said, kind of a lackluster combine overall. We didn't have any, you know, guys that we were really looking forward to running a, you know, four, three forty or anything like that. But I think all of our guys performed well. Um, even Parker Washington, who, you know, is still rehabbing from injury, went out and did the bench press, couldn't do any like running drills, but did the bench press just to show teams that he was there and he was ready. Um, so I'm excited. Can't wait for the draft. We'll we'll see where all these guys land. Mm-hmm. Whew, a lot of off-season football that's not that exciting that I'm trying to make exciting. Hope you guys nice. are enjoying it. Any football is exciting. Anyway, speaking of exciting. Things that were exciting. Things that were exciting. Sorry, football. It's not your season. Basketball and wrestling. Oh, shit went down this weekend. Um, you want to do basketball quick, and then I'll let you finish with wrestling. Because I think you probably have a, a good amount to talk about on that. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll keep it as brief as possible. But you know, there's Absolutely. there's ten guys. You got to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's going to be ten details. guys doing doing well. We'll, we'll give yeah. the details. So let's 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 give the basketball overview here. I've said this many times. I'm not a huge basketball fan at any level. But when my teams are doing well, it's fun to be a part. Call me bandwagon. Call me fair weather. I don't care. I'm enjoying it. Penn State's good. The Knicks are good. Shout out the Knicks. Um, crazy week for Penn State basketball. Uh, for the last month or so, been kind of on the bubble in the NCAA tournament. I've not been in the tournament since 2011. It's been a long time. Needed to do some special things in these last couple of weeks to get in. And for the most part, they did. Uh, since February 14th, Penn State is 5-1. and one. The only loss being a brutal loss against Rutgers, which probably should have won that game. Should have been 6 Oh, and probably? Definitely should have won that game. <laughs> by like 22. <laughs> Definitely should have won. Yeah, they were up like 20 in, in the second half. Um, should have won that game. Embarrassing. Whatever. Uh, if if we win that game, we're sitting at 6-0. We're probably comfortably in the tournament at this point, not sweating anything. But that wouldn't be exciting. As Penn State said, we will make it interesting for you. Uh, the last two games, two ridiculous buzzer beaters uh, from Cameron Winter. Winter's coming. Northwestern, the three in the corner as time expires, just unreal. 
and then Maryland yesterday. Um, I think it was Seth Lundy puts up a three at the end. He gets the rebound, puts it in, game winner. Um, I was losing my shit yesterday. Again, as a casual, I'll take that. I'm a casual. I was screaming at my TV. It was so fun to watch. Uh, what do you think about the, this last week or so? Yeah, Cameron Winters is a guy who's come on as an exciting player. Um, you know, after that Rutgers game, I had written this team off as this is not a tournament team. Um, that was, I, they had, I forget, I can't remember exactly what game, but this was the second time they had lost badly in like as many weeks. Um, and I, I was like, yeah, yeah, they're not making it. Tournament hopes are over. Uh, and then they rip off, you know, five, four or five quality wins. You know, a Northwestern team that's very good at home, a ranked Maryland team. Uh, you know, this is a team that now has like five quad one wins, which is really important for tournament rankings. And I think they're five and six in quad one games, which for a bubble team is very good. Um, okay. You're seeing that like, um, I, I think most, they're in like the last four in, in most, uh, you know, yep. bracket predictions, uh, which is, you know, a good-ish place to be. Um, but depending you know that that can also be scary that that i mean it only takes you know one team that isn't supposed to win their conference tournament does that and now penn state's out or you know one decision doesn't go their way and they're out um but i think right now as long as they win a game in the big 10 tournament they are most likely in it's i don't think there's they'd have to like make the semifinals i think to be a definitely in team but as long as they win a game in the Big Ten tournament, they should be in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that was that was my thinking from just like reading and, and following along. I'm I'm not an expert in this, but about an hour before we started this, Joe Lenardi just dropped his newest bracketology, has us in the last four buys. Not last four in, last four buys. Huge. Um, huge. So we are the fourth one there. But my understanding is last four in still has to play like that play-in game to get in last four buys you are in not having to sweat that game is that right um i think i don't, I don't know if they necessarily have no i don't think the the playing games are usually like two teams playing for a 16 i think yeah sometimes it, it all depends on how it falls because it's if like if a team that went you know so with some of these smaller conferences if a team that actually had like a terrible regular season wins their their conference tournament, they're an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament now. Right, right. And so they'll they'll play like a yeah they'll they'll play like another sixteen seed. Uh, yeah. Sometimes gotcha. sometimes it is like a uh, you know a play in for like a twelve seed or something like that. It all depends. Yeah. So from from what I've seen on Twitter in the last couple hours, being in the last four buys versus last four in is huge. So that's amazing. Uh, but like you said, a win in the Big Ten tournament would be huge. And we draw Illinois, who we have beat twice this season and be Uh, badly in there and at their house yes one of my favorite clips to come out of any interview um is brad underwood their coach that the reporters like asking him a question about someone's leadership and it was just after we beat them at home and he just goes (laughs) like not about the leadership he's just like deflated from losing the game it's fucking hilarious so i would love to beat them one more time uh, not going to look ahead, but if we beat them, I think we'd get a rematch with Northwestern, which would be crazy exciting after the way the last game happened. Um, but yes, I agree. I think a win against Illinois cements it, but I think right now we are 
in a much better position than most people thought we would be a week or two ago. Um, and like I said, the most recent tournament appearance, I, I was looking it up, 2011, lost to Temple in the round of 64. That game, that game. 66, 66 to 64. Lost by two points in the first, in, against Temple. Taylor Battle, 23 points. Tim Frazier, 15 points. Some Penn State basketball legends. Um, I would love to see this team get a chance. Uh, you know, this game against Maryland was senior day. Uh, you saw Miles Dredd super emotional after the game, talking about how much the team means to him. Um, and then you talk about some of the new guys. Like Jalen Pickett came in and just fucking dominated. He's up now. He's a, a top five finalist for point guard of the year. Uh, and like Michael Shrewsbury talking about him and talking about like he talked about like all the seniors after the game is pretty cool and just like said like things about each one of them like again as a guy who's not a huge basketball fan like these guys are fun to watch and this team like brings you in it's it's that gif of just when I thought I was out you bring me back in um, so I hope we get a chance to to see them make it to the dance and uh, you know anything can happen it's March. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to hopefully see in this team in the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. So shout out basketball team. Uh congrats on a crazy week. Hopefully more good things coming. Um next up, wrestling. wrestling. Big Ten tournament just happened yesterday. Saw a lot of champions, saw some crazy cool things. Lay it down for us. Yeah. So the 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 premier program at Penn State, Penn State Wrestling, the premier pro- program in the country. Um, talking about winners of like nine of the last 11 national championships. However, this is the first time Penn State has won the Big Ten since 2019. Quite the drought. I saw that. Quite the drought. Yeah, what's up with that? Uh, Penn State has a... a, Here's one of the things that happens is when you're as good as Penn State, that you have a lot of guys who get buys in the first round of the conference tournament. Um, I think they only had three guys wrestling in the first round of this tournament. So that's a whole match in which you don't pick up points. So uh, other teams <laughs> get to okay. score points for a whole round where Penn okay. State doesn't. So that can Got happen. Um, and then there's also a program that has a history of performing better in the NCAA tournament than in their own conference tournament. They These guys Got turn it on for the NCAAs. It is what matters. Um, you know, you, you see guys who lost to, like, like a, two years ago with – um, Carter Staraki. This is a guy who lost to Michael Kemmerer in the Big Ten Finals, and then two weeks later beats him in the NCAA Finals. That is the kind of thing that Penn State wrestling does. They just yeah. they win. I, saw, I think it was uh, I think it was Roman Bravo Young after he won in the Big Ten. Spoiler alert: Pat will give you the rundown, yes. but he won. Uh, someone asked him like, "How does it feel?" And I forget his exact words. We were like, "Doesn't matter." Like, yeah, he was like, "It's just another thing." Ways. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, like, they, they, obviously, it feels good to win. It's great for them. But I think it was even even the, the video of Kale getting the trophy. He was just like, like, cool, yeah. move on. He does, on to the does not really care about Big Tens, yeah. to be okay. honest. Okay, so on to, on to NCAAs. Run us through what happened at the Big Tens, even though it's not yes. the biggest of them all. Exactly. So, Penn State, you know, and it, it, this is by, by a wide margin, the premier wrestling conference in the country. Like, people who think SEC football – is you know dominant like it, nothing compares to what Big Ten wrestling is. It is you know you have weight classes where seven of the top ten guys are all from the Big Ten, like one Jeez. through eight are all all Big Ten wrestlers. 
Um, so I know I know Penn State and Iowa are like one and two. I remember that duel being huge. Yes. What are what are like a couple of the other big ones in the Big Ten? Uh, Nebraska is a team that could win, could come in like you know third, fourth in the country maybe. Um, other than that, you're not going to have a lot of teams pushing for team trophies. Trophies at NCAA's top four. Nebraska can be the only other team that pushes for one probably. But Ohio Got State's but usually they have, a good they have program. A bunch of individuals. Yeah, Ohio State's usually a good program. Michigan, I took, I think, took like second or third last year. Um, and every every program is going to have good guys. Like that, that's really what it comes down to. Um, but Penn State wins the Big Ten tournament with 147 points. Uh, behind them is Iowa at 134 and a half. Nebraska at 104 and a half. So you know they not completely walked one. away with it, but yeah, it was not particularly close either. Yeah. Um, 125, Gary Steen, guy who's just really not ready to be in this lineup yet, but was forced in with some injuries to Robbie Howard. Doesn't pick up any wins at the tournament. Tough season for him, but he's a guy who could hopefully, you know, either take like a red shirt next. I, I don't I, no, he might not be eligible for a red shirt, but, but, you know, not have to be the starter for this team next year. Pick up some experience, get better, be ready for this, to be a contributor to this team down the line. 33. Roman Bravo Young obviously rolls his way into the finals. Um, it wrestles a pretty close match with Aaron Nagao out of Minnesota, who was surprised the tournament, wins 5-2. Things got a little chippy at the end. I think Roman refused to shake his hand. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, not, nothing too crazy for wrestling. And like, like Roman said, it's, um, it's just another thing for him. Honestly, the only match he's, I think, really looking at is Dayton Fix in the finals again this year. Um, you know, he's going to be your number one seed at NCAAs. That's going to be the only match that's particularly close for him. Okay. Uh, 141, Bo Bartlett takes third place. Um, I thought he should have been in the finals. I thought he wrestled a bit, you know, had some mental mistakes in the semifinal match that he dropped. But third place, you're not really going to complain about that. Uh, he was the two seed coming in, takes third. Technically an underperformance, but... Not a bad tournament at all from Bo Bartlett. You're probably looking at him having like a four to five, and anywhere in the three to five seat at NCAAs. Okay. Um, 149, Shane Van Ness puts together a, you know, so far a pretty good redshirt freshman campaign, takes fourth place. Um, he lost to Max Mirren twice at this tournament and for the third time this season. That's going to be mm -hmm. something. You know, he's going to have to get over that hump, most likely, if he wants to be an All-American this year. Um, yeah. 149 is a tough weight class. It's got a lot of good wrestlers, a lot of veteran wrestlers. He's going to have to beat someone who is seated higher than him, most likely, to be an All-American. Will they see each other again at NCAAs? They might. just depends on what side of the bracket they fall on. Gotcha. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it's been close every time. Yeah. Levi Haynes was, I would say, the surprise of the tournament for Penn State and surprise of the season for them. Wins a controversial final against Peyton Robb for Nebraska. Hands him his only loss of the season. Um, Saw that. Yes. Uh, Peyton had what, what was... What was controversial about it? Uh, Peyton took Levi down in the first period and was not called. Uh, oh. And then it got reviewed and upheld. <laughs> but oh. it was... I, it was borderline. Like when I saw it, I went, that's a takedown, but they're not going to change the call because it's close. Interesting. Yeah, I saw, I saw like it was an upset. You know, this guy's undefeated. Levi Haynes is a freshman. 
did not realize that though. But yeah, dude, but Peyton Rob is a stud. I mean, he had a great takedown in overtime to win that match. Uh, scrambled from a few positions, comes up with a body lock and absolutely just bodies, buries Peyton Rob into the res light for, for the Love sudden it. victory overtime win. Um, Love to see it. He's most likely going to be the two seed at NCAAs. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, that'll be big for him. I mean, you know, he'll have some tight matches along the way, but I would expect, you know, he'll probably catch Peyton Rob again in the semifinals. So that, that'll yeah. be a big match. We'll, we'll see, you know, we'll see if it was a, you know, kind of a one-time thing. If right. that no call is the difference, but <laughs> Levi Haynes looking really great for a true freshman. As a freshman, man, that's awesome. Yeah. And Penn state has an unbelievable record in NCAA finals matches. They do not lose. So that is important there. Uh, 165, Alex Facundo takes seventh place. Not a bad tournament hit for him, but not a great one. I think he came in yeah. as like the five or six seed. Uh, okay. Dropped a match in the quarterfinals to Carson Harchla of Ohio State, who he beat in a bit of a controversial match in the regular season. Uh, wrestled back for seventh. You know, uh, Facundo's a good wrestler, but he's a guy who needs to get to a little bit more offense, I would say. He, okay. um, he wrestles a lot of tight matches has a tendency to against, and this is always going to be the case against better guys in, in the sport, but he has a tendency to not get to enough offense when he's in those tight matches. Mm -hmm. uh, 74, Carter Staraki, obviously rolls his way to the finals, uh, went up against an undefeated Mikey Labriola out of Nebraska in the finals. A guy who's very good and Carter controlled that match and it was not particularly close. One at six to one. Um, Hell yeah. I think he's going to pretty much waltz his way to the finals in NCAAs. He'll be the one seed. Um, you know, he's he is who he is. I really, <laughs> I really like him, man. Like I said, I, I I follow him on Twitter, and he's he's tweeting out a couple of times, and just like that that like heads down. I'm looking for revenge. I'm coming for you. Like not those exact words, but like those kind of like cryptic tweets. I'm he's like, a beast, but he fucks somebody up. He is that guy. He is very confident in everything he does. He takes everything personally. Yeah, like yeah. that that coming for a revenge was a guy who beat him two years ago. The guy didn't do anything <laughs> to him. He just won a wrestling match. Yeah, yeah. Love that. <laughs> like, Love that. Yeah. So another that, that, that's who Carter is. That, like he's one of those guys that that's what makes him great. He's uh, always yeah. got a chip on his shoulder. You know, he is he's he expects to win every time he steps on the mat. And if yeah. if he doesn't, he's gonna take it very personally. Love that. Uh, Aaron Brooks absolutely rolled his way through this tournament. Um, wins by major decision decision in the finals. He um, he's going to be an interesting situation at NCAs where I don't he might not be the one seed because I think there's someone else who's undefeated on the season. We'll see. I mean, you know, he's multiple time returning NCAA champion, so they might give him the one seed anyway. And then his one loss was a little fluky, but. I'd be shocked if Aaron Brooks does not win a national championship again this year. Yeah. Um, 197, Max Dean makes it to the finals and loses a decision to Silas Allred out of Nebraska. Um, no. The score was pretty tight. It was 6-3, to three, but the match was not all that close. Allred got three takes takedowns, and Max Dean's only points were three escapes. Um, well, no. And it looked like Allred was... You know, 
not quite be able to take him down at will, but it was not particularly difficult for him. This is a matchup that you hope Max doesn't see in NCAAs. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just got to hope that they fall on opposite sides of the bracket and don't meet up because it. Max is an interesting wrestler where, you know, I, I do think he's the best guy in that bracket. You know, he won it last year for a reason, but there's just certain guys he doesn't match up well with sometimes. Is it um, just like their styles or? Yeah, he tends to have trouble with taller, lankier guys. Um, gotcha. He took a loss to Ethan Laird this year, who's a, t- a tall guy. Um, and he just, eh, some, sometimes he takes losses. Like he, he's not yeah. the sort of dominant champion that some of the other Penn State guys are. He'll take two to three losses a year, some you know, but I would not count him out of the NCAA tournament. As yeah. This is not you. I don't see this result and go, oh, we're really worried here. Right, right. You know, he had some close calls last year. He still won it. Okay. And then Greg Kirkfleet loses a overtime match to Mason Paris in the finals. They had a tight match in the dual meet. Uh, Paris is out of Michigan. May, uh, Greg's probably going to be the two-seeded NCAAs. Uh, Paris is his only loss on the year. Um, lost to him twice. I don't think any other major contenders are undefeated. And Greg got an important win over Tony Cassiope out of Iowa in the semifinals, beating him for the second time this year, so he'll be sure to be seated above him. You know, I, I this is overwhelmingly likely what you're going to see in, in a rematch of the NCAA finals. Um, okay. That's it, a tough matchup for Greg. You know, he beat Mason, I think, three times last year, but Mason was dealing with a serious shoulder injury that required surgery after the season. So that'll change you know, things. Yeah. And, it, and, you know, it's an interesting history for them because Greg's first year at Penn State, Mason beat him badly twice, but Greg had some health issues that required surgery after the season. Then next year, they kind of swap roles where, Greg yeah, yeah. dominates him a little bit, but Mason's got health issues that they gotta <laughs> throw out after the season. So this and now is they're the, both healthy. Yeah, this is the first season where okay. they're both healthy, and it looks like Mason's got the edge over Greg. Um, you know, I do think he's a bit of a smarter competitor than Greg. I think Greg's a better athlete, though. So, mm. you know, we'll see how that plays out in the finals. Like I said, Kale always has a plan, and uh, every time you lose to a guy, is it, it's very tough for any wrestler to beat a really elite guy three times in a row. It's very yeah. difficult. Every time they wrestle, the edge moves a little bit towards the guy who keeps losing, usually. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, don't count Greg out by any means, but Mason will be, you know, the Vegas odds will be on Mason for winning the NCAA tournament two weeks. Um, gotcha. But, you know, great tournament for Penn State. They qualified nine guys for NCAAs. Amazing. which is exactly what you were looking for coming in. The only guy who, you know, was the question mark was Gary Steen at 25. He was unlikely to qualify and he didn't, you know, it's a, it's a bummer, but it's, it's what you saw coming. You know, I would say pretty much everyone performed near enough to their seed that you're feeling fine about them going into the NCAAs. And that's really what's important. You know, yeah. conference yeah, tournament, yeah. not everyone is going to win every match. And right. Like I said, Penn State has the reputation of being better at the NCAAs than they are at the conference tournament, and that's what's important. And absolutely, yeah. But still, for- even 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 with you know even with the Big Ten tournament not being like the prime focus or as exciting or whatever you want to call it, still get the team title, 
still get was it four or five individual champions? Four. Four, uh, right? Bo, Levi, Roman. Levi, Carter, and Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty damn good. Yeah. And you're they're still you're still looking at a team that could somewhat realistically have six national champions. Insane. Yeah. Insane. And I saw I saw Kale Sanderson won Big Ten coach of the year, Levi Haynes, Big Ten freshman of the year. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, I, I don't even look at who coach of the year is going to be because it's Kale Sanderson. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> he, I assume he's coach of the, the year, but... coach of the decade, coach of the century, coach of this millennium. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course, he is. He is I'm the just, goat of it's goats. It's cool to see. It's yeah, cool to see. Of course. Um, nice. Okay, so and, a lot of good things happening. Yeah, and you know what you're looking for coming into the NCAA's, you know, tournament. If Penn State could come out with nine All Americans, now that's very tough. That is a tall order. It's gonna be very tough for a guy like Alex Facundo, who's in a brutal weight class. Um, Shane Van Ness is far from a sure thing at 49, but he should not should, but like you give him like a 50, 50 chance at an all American, I'd say. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the goal for Penn state, I would say like the, if everything goes right, Penn state gets six NCAA champions, nine all Americans. That is like the ceiling. Pretty impressive. Um, yeah. Well, I, hold on there. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, I would say six <laughs> NCAA champions. Saying, are we recalculating? I was thinking about saying seven. Okay. Am, am, I, right. am I saying seven? Hold on, one. Let's get it on record. What are you? What are you saying? No, six. It's six. All right, six champions. Six with with a realistic yeah, shot. I mean, crazy things yeah. happen. You never know. But with a realistic shot, six. Um, okay. But you know, they should run away with the team title. It should yeah, not be particularly many, close. Yeah, yeah, having that many guys qualified and, and advancing deep into it, I'm sure. The the conference tournament will be a closer race than the NCAA tournament will be. Because uh, Iowa right. will not mat, will not do nearly as well in the NCAAs as they did here. And they are the odds-on number two team. Gotcha. Yeah. Nice. Well, shout out to Kel and the boys. It's an impressive yeah, performance. Congratulations. To your 2023 national champion, Penn State Nittany Lions. Put in the books. Today is March 6th. It is Monday, March 6th, 8.13 p.m. That is congratulating the Nittany Lions on the NCAA yes. championships. When does it actually happen? Uh, two weeks from now. So it'll be okay. two so, weekends from now. I think that is St. Patrick's Day. Uh, it should kick right. off on St. Patrick's Day. Okay. so uh, Might start on after, Thursday. After that is over, we will tweet this clip. Congratulations, Pat. Predicted it. Timestamp it. Maybe not the boldest of predictions, but a prediction nonetheless. Oh man, I love it. Awesome. Love to hear that. You know, you know, I was I, I like being in tune with the wrestling world. I was tweeting through it yesterday, shouting out the guys. You, you make us all a little bit wiser in that aspect. So appreciate you. Lo- uh, loved all the wrestling content on Twitter, by the way. Loved it. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I'm I'm getting getting it going. More wrestling, more basketball, trying to be you know, a full brand here. Love it. Um, and speaking of which, for any of our followers who follow me on Twitter, I did uh, I did post a, a lovely joke about Micah Parsons on there for me doing stand-up. Feel free to you check it out. You posted the stand-up video? Yeah, I did. You know, it's weird. Sure. It, didn't, it didn't show up. If you go to my profile, it's not on, like, my tweets. It's only on, like, the media. I don't know why. Uh, did you start it tagging someone? No. Like, does this tweet start with someone's name? I don't think it starts with Micah's name. 
because sometimes that'll go right into your replies because they just see the at and it goes into your replies. Anyway, yeah, it's, for, it's, for the, either way, guys, check it out. Everyone, for everyone listening, uh, Pat does stand-up comedy. Uh, very good. I've seen him live. Uh, and I've been telling him he needs to post videos so we can see the see the material get 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 viral, go on TikTok, go crazy. He's never posted anything. And now the one time you do, I didn't even fucking see it. <laughs> so, and and I, it's Penn State related. It is about Micah Parsons and the wonder wonderful interview he gave during Super Bowl week. I do remember that interview. So that foot fetish was great. Um, and then the guy like acted weird as if he didn't just ask him for a weird thing. So that's this you don't don't ruin my premise, please. Oh God, sorry. sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe I'll cut this whole thing. I'm not sure. Uh, I will retweet that later. Uh, I can't wait to watch it. I'm very excited. <laughs> um, all of that being said, um, follow Pat on Twitter at Pat uh, Follow us on Twitter. More wrestling, more other stuff. Football coming. But we got Bo Nickel, former Penn State legend, makes his UFC debut, and just fucking dominates um you probably know a little bit more than i do but as far as i understand it bo decided to start training for mma like a year and a half ago a year ago something like that uh, after um, he didn't make the olympic team right so who, who made the olympics over him is it david taylor david taylor yeah yeah so they, they said that in in his entrance which was incredible he he walks out and the, whoever's doing commentary says coming from state college pennsylvania and i just like already had chills it's sick um, that was cool. They start talking about that. Uh, I think it's Daniel Cormier talking about uh, how he was Big Ten Athlete of the Year in 2018, I think it was, overall, the football players, basketball players, like really building up his credibility, which was great. Um, and then mentioned that. They said, you know, if, if not for another guy in the room who trains in, he might be in the Olympics. I assumed it was David oh, Taylor. Um, he would be. He'd be an Olympic yeah. silver medalist if it wasn't for David Taylor. Which is incredible. But he says, you know what, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to start training for MMA. Uh, and he had a couple of matches in, I think it's the Contender Series. Is that right? Yeah. He fought. Are you familiar with the story? You can tell it if you know. Yeah. So, I mean, his first fight yeah. was against, like, it was on, like, um, I don't even know who the guy was, but he was, like, an inner, he was not a professional fighter. And yeah. Bo murdered him. Uh, then, <laughs> you know, he had a couple of fights in Dana White's Contender Series. First round knockout, first round submission. Uh, Dana gets him a contract. I think he got a low-level UFC fight that, again, he won in the first round extremely easily. Bo is probably, like, the most hyped prospect the UFC has seen in a long time. He, like, he's yeah. so hyped up that people are giving him hate, which you don't yeah. see a lot for UFC prospects, I don't think. Yeah, um, and what I, what I noticed, too, they talked about is this is a John Bones Jones main card. Who is like that's one of the biggest stories. His four, yeah, fourth making, fight. He's on the main card. Making, his, I, I making was surprised. Return. John Jones making his return. Bo is on the card, which is huge in and of itself. But like at weigh-ins, at his walk-in, like the crowd was like getting up for him. Like this is this is his first UFC fight, and he's got notoriety. It's unreal. Um, so I mentioned he he's walking out. I didn't. I don't know exactly what song he was walking out to, but we're talking about. From State College, from Penn State. And like as the guy's like patting him down and getting him ready, the zombie nation kicks in. And it was awesome. You can almost see, I I, I assume this is what it's for. You can't quite tell in the video because it's like the song comes on and then a second later he just starts getting into it, like head bobbing and going. I'm like, oh, he's in the zone now. Let's go. Um, and then gets in the ring and, and does what he does. Um, he was a heavy favorite. Um, 
against Jamie Pickett, I think, the guy. Because mm-hmm. some people yeah. thought it, it said uh, Jalen Pickett, which is funny. Um, He'd beat him too. Yeah. <laughs> well, here nor there. Um, but he was, he was like, just to win the fight was like minus 1,800, which like for non-betters, that means you have to bet $180 to win 10. Like that's a huge favorite. Um, so a lot of people were betting on like how he was going to win or what round he was going to win. Um, I, I tweeted out, like, do we think this lasts to the second round? Cause there's some betting value there. Um, and everyone was like, no, first round submission, first round submission, first round submission. But sure enough. Was it two and a half minutes into the fight? Game over. Good night. Put to sleep. I mean, it was, it was so much fun to watch. Yeah, it was awesome. And like you said, just hearing like fighting out of state college, Pennsylvania, like, yeah. oh, it was so cool. Fucking cool. Yeah, yeah now gonna... let me ask you this. Does this yeah. So, like, yeah, I think, let, let's start there. Where where do you think his career goes from here, UFC-wise? Like, He's obviously, a UFC this... champion. Yeah, fair. Yes. Uh, Sean Clifford tweeted that out, so you and Sean, same page. Uh, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think, like, this is, you know, he's got that, like you said, like, a little bit of hate on him, but also the support. He's kind of a little polarizing. Like, he's going to make for good TV, but he's also a damn good fighter. So, like, he's going to get another fight pretty soon on merit and also on ratings like it, it works both ways so win-win for dana to keep him in the spotlight um as long as he keeps doing what he's doing he'll be there um so i'm very excited for that uh my question was going to be i'm sure there are some people we've seen you know make the wrestling to mma jump have you seen anyone have this kind of success this early on or do you think this might inspire others in the future to try to do the same? Um, so it's pretty rare for them to get, like, not necessarily to have this success early on, but, like, to have it be on, like, a main card that's early on. Like, yeah. Ed Ruth made the transition. Oh, really? And he started his Bellator career, like, 6-0, and I think. And admittedly, I thought Ed Ruth was going to be a UFC champion soon, too. Um but, you know, he took like, you know, maybe two or three losses in his career. I think he fought for, might have fought for a belt in Bellator. Um, but, you you know, there's been plenty of wrestlers who have made this transition done very well. Daniel Cormier yeah. was a wrestler. Um, yep. And Askren, Olympic wrestler. Oh, yeah. I remember him. And Risa Hudo, Olympic gold medalist. Um, there, there, was, there was a point a couple of years ago when, like, I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't, I don't know how many weight classes there are in UFC, but like say it's eight, like six of the eight belts were held by wrestlers. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so I would say it's, it's a little unusual to see this like immediate publicity for them. Cause also they tend to not be the most exciting fighters cause they're not strikers. Right. Um, but you know, I think Bo is probably going to get a fight fairly soon. That is, against someone very good yeah, uh, because of the hype he has, because of the success he's having, but also because he's not taking any damage in this fight. So he can yeah. fight like three <laughs> more times, three, four more times this year if this keeps happening. Yeah. If you don't get hit, you can, you, you can fight in two months. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, you I know, mean, we'll he's, see. Got a little cra- he's got a little crazy in him too. Like you see him oh. post around that ring, like, and the other thing is, front. and like, because that's what you're saying, like a lot of wrestlers, yeah, a lot of wrestlers maybe aren't flashy or, or strikers or fighters. Like, he, you can see him in the zone. Like, he's supposed to hit people. Like, it's fucking awesome. 
Yeah, and so, he's you know you know he's no like Conor McGregor, but he's a good talker. Sure. He's good in front of the camera, and yeah. yeah, he's got swagger. And that's that's what I'm saying, man. Yeah, but and the other thing is like he's willing to strike too. Like he opened yeah. up that fight trying to throw a massive kick that he he whipped so hard on he <laughs> fell over. <laughs> very hard, but hey, you know, scared money don't make money. So yeah, but I I think he's got a good balance of he he's willing to stand there and throw down a little bit and be exciting but that he knows ultimately, you know, not many guys are going to stop him from getting a takedown. Right, right. Well, that'll be fun to follow. Exciting to see who his next fight is. Like you said, it'll probably be a bigger name, um, a closer odds matchup where, you know, maybe it won't be over in two minutes. Maybe it will. We'll see. Um, But that's going to do it for us. March 6th. A lot going on in the Penn State world. Uh, definitely a longer episode, but if you're still listening, thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back probably in the next couple of weeks with some more offseason content. So stay tuned. Good luck to the basketball team, hopefully in the big dance. Good luck to the wrestling team and NCAAs. Good luck to everyone in life. I hope you're doing great. I wish you the best. Thank you for listening. We out.